Next Chapter Podcasts. So Raekwon, uh, also known as Raekwon the Chef, uh, and he got his name Raekwon the Chef uh, for being an expertise of cooking up crack cocaine. His original name is Corey Woods, born in 1970 in Brooklyn. Also a five-star Michelin chef. Is he really? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, his chicken coat on blue with crack is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You, oh, you'll be hooked one bite. <laughs> It's Knuckleheads by Rick Kwan off his 1995 debut album, Only Built for Cuban Links. It's also number 480 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Myers, a.k.a. the king of fleece. And I am strapped from head to toe. I got on fleece socks, fleece pants, a fleece hoodie, a fleece undershirt. It's like 80 degrees out, but I could give a fuck because I'm ruling over the fleece army. What's up, fleecers? Hope you guys are enjoying going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the top 500 albums of all time. And we are at 480. It's a big deal. It's been 20 episodes, man. You know? I'm enjoying it. I hope you guys are too. Thank you to each and every one of you guys that is doing the Instagram stories. Do it again. Do it today. I mean it. I want every single person that's listening to this episode. Give me a 24-hour ad on your social media. I want you guys to take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and hashtag the 500 podcast. Also, hashtag Fleece Army, guys. Put it on your Instagram stories. Give me a 24-hour ad. I'm trying to blow this shit up, y'all. You see who I'm getting? I'm getting big guests for you guys. Michael Rappaport crushed. I told y'all it was a good episode. So if you fuck with that, then fuck with me and fucking put that Instagram stories up. Just do it. Today, my guest is stand-up comedian and actor Ron Funches. You might know him from Trolls. You might know him from Undateable. You might know him from his podcast, Getting Better. You might know him from his hit, Comedy Central special, Giggle Fit. He sat down with me. We talked all about this record. He was very, very open about himself and his life. And it's a perfect episode. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we spotlight a new artist that is directly influenced by Ray Kwan. Also, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Also, go on the iTunes and leave a five-star rating and then also leave a review. If you like this podcast, leave a fucking review. I want to get the numbers up. Want to get the numbers up. I want to get the numbers up. I want to get the numbers up. Oh, oh, oh. I want to get the numbers up. Oh, oh. Want to get the numbers up. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, not much more to say. Now it's just time to enjoy number 480 
out of 500 with only built for Cuban links by Ray Quas. Poisonous paragraph, smash your phonograph in half. It'd be the inspector deck on the warpath. First class, leave the mites with a cast. Cause a ruckus like the aftermath from guns blast. Run fast, here comes the verbal assaulter. Rhymes running wild like a child in a walker. I scored from the inner slums abroad. And my thoughts are ready to start. I slice the mic from the court. First criticize, but I This is the Ron Funches. He came to rock. The Funches, like Ron Funches. So it's Ron Funches. We put the Funches right in your Funches. We've been Ron and we all Ron. Cause we will never miss with Wu-Tang Killer B. Yeah. That was not uh, from this album. That, because there were no hooks on the record. That I could really sing. Uh, I chose because Ghostface uh, was on this record and is a big part of it, and was also on his own solo record, which Raekwon was a big part of. So I did the hook from Iron Man. Um, how did you, Ron, get into Wu Tang? Um, I got into Wu Tang pretty much at the same time I got into rap. I think what this came out in '95, in right? Um, uh, th- as far as this Raekwon album th- itself, uh, but so I would say maybe when I was like 10, 12 years old, um, when I first started getting into rap music, I we grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and one of the first uh CDs I ever got was that I uh traded my teacher um like 10 bucks and got a copy of uh the Fuji's The Score. Okay, that was the, my first great album. record, great record, great record, and that got me started. And then I just started to digress out from from Chicago rap, like Crucial Conflict and, and Do or Die, and things I knew. And then started moving more into the East Coast due to like Biggie Smalls. And then that's probably how I got in, interested in the Wu Tang Clan. And I think the first Wu Tang Clan, my first. Memories of Wu Tang Clan were finding were the first time that I found out that like Walmart albums were censored. Like, <laughs> why were I, you stealing them? Or? I was just buying. No, I just didn't notice. I didn't go to look <laughs> for these giant stickers. So I just go in. And I buy buy an album, and then I'm listening to, like Wu Tang Forever or or, or Thirty Six Chambers or whatever. And it's like, and then I'm like I'm like I don't think these are the right lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was so? How would you say your your love for them is? Is it, it's it's just like you know, out of all the rap groups, this is one that's had like an impact on the on your musical history, or have you always just been a passive fan? Or um, I think anyone who is a fan of rap has a big love of the Wu Tang Clan. You know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense not to. It's just a, to me, it's always kind of been like a background of my childhood. That symbol has always been a big part. Yes, of yeah, my it's, childhood. It's, like very, it's very superhero esque. It's like it's like the Batman. Love logo it's yeah. just you see it and you immediately to see all nine members you see you hear the the shaolin references everything it's yeah and to me it was a great part of like showing a lot of parts of black culture about especially like our love of, of, of the kung fu flicks and yeah and, and an asian culture and just like um and offbeat lyrics that kind of really um Influence a lot of people who are like my favorite group of all, of all time is, is, is like is Outkast, and, and you can see a lot of influence from like the Dungeon Family of like 
Goody Mob and Outkast and, and the offbeat lyrics from the Wu-Tang Clan. And yeah. I think these are the first people. And it's just so gritty at a time where in a real shift from rap when a lot of it before was the MC Hammer and, and yes. Pat Boys. And here were some like real people from real neighborhoods talking about their their actual life struggles and I, and seeing them on um, Arsenio Hall, I think, was one of my first I memories. do think I remember seeing that as well. I... Uh, it, it, falling into Wu-Tang for me because they were an obsession for me. Uh, I my, really got into hip-hop, of course. I remember one of my, my first records I ever bought was Run DMC, Raisin Hell, and the Beastie Boys on the same day. But uh, I became fascinated with Public Enemy after uh, Chuck D did that song with Scott Ian, Bring the Noise. And I remember the music video and the Bees references because it was off of Attack of the Killer Bees. And then... I don't know exactly how, but just like one day, I just became obsessed with Wu-Tang Clan. And I mean, to the point where you mentioned the Dungeon Family and Goody Mob, and I, I couldn't listen to any other group. I felt like they were, were stealing from Wu-Tang. I thought Wu-Tang was the greatest like just like you said, the logo, the members, the references, everything. I thought they were the coolest group in the history of music when I was obsessed. And this is probably 1995 when I really got into them. And it became such an obsession because I pushed them on the rest of my friends, the big group of friends that I had. And they, they my friends at the time only listened to white people reggae, <laughs> which I find to be the worst music in the world. They are obsessed with like 311. And I, I'm like, fuck that band. And it was just... So tough. And then I brought them Wu-Tang, and then it was like, boom. Everybody in my clique of friends became obsessed with Wu-Tang. And I'm talking, we went to see him live. We loved the band, traded, found mixtapes, like any, any, any singles that they did with other artists. Like we went to see, uh, we got. And then to give you an idea of how important Wu-Tang was to me, uh, the day I graduated high school was the exact day that Wu-Tang Forever came out. And uh, Chaitna Sinha had a huge party at her house that night. And Tower Records, of course, let you, for, for on the music release Tuesdays, they let you show up at like 11, get in line. So at midnight, when they came out, you could buy the record. I left the party, and I could have gotten laid. I was still a virgin, Ron. I could have gotten laid. Well, of course you were a virgin. I could tell by the way the story was going. <laughs> Yeah, so I could have gotten laid. I left with John Moyer, and we went to the Tower Records. I bought it, and he goes, yo, I'm going to go back to the party. And I go, drop me off at home. I need to listen to this. And I sat in my bedroom in my parents' house with my headphones on and just like was just – I just took it all in and was like obsessed with how great they were. And I've seen them live a million times. And what's funny, well, let's do this. Let's just get into this record. Our album is number 480 out of 500. It's the debut studio album by Ray Kwan, only built for Cuban Links. Like you said, released on August 1st, 1995, produced by RZA. Um, What I loved about having to do this with you and getting ready was that being able to force myself... To really listen to this for the last week and just it, it, it just ignited my love for Wu-Tang. Just those first sets of albums, you know, like 
what is it? What do we have? You know, we it goes from looking at the anthology. It goes from Enter the Thirty Six Chambers into the Cal, then Return to the Thirty Six Chambers by Old Dirty Bastard, and then you have this one. Tell me what it was like listening to this record, your thoughts, and how you feel about it then, and maybe how it's changed till now. Um, what I really, I, I, I kind of echo your sentiments was that it was really nice to force myself to sit down and 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 listen to this again. And um, what's really funny to me was to go back and see how long like full albums feel now compared to way things are packaged now you know a lot of days albums top off 35 40 minutes this thing's like an hour and 15 oh yeah this is long. an adventure yeah this is a, yeah but it's really nice and it forced me to just kind of do it kind of took me back to to high school of just getting the bong out <laughs> putting my headphones on because you want to listen to the lyrics and just really um digging into it and I, oh yeah and that's what i really like about it is that it's more it's it has like it's not like it's i wouldn't say like timeless because there's things that have that haven't aged well when you listen to it there's a lot of um homophobia in it there's yeah. a lot of misogyny in it and um but what you get is like some some classic things and themes that somehow i think are missing from a lot of rap today just a lot of great storytelling in yes, this yes beautiful wordplay and just just a great um intelligence and a full theme from like an album where you're you're enjoying from from every sketch moving into the sound effects moving into every song and it's it's just so um, it was just kind of really refreshing to listen to again. Sure, yeah, I could see. I mean, I for me, it's I've just I've been listening to records for the last few months while I'm doing this, so I, that's why I started it so we could appreciate what the artist actually wanted you to listen to, which is the full album. Today, they're making everything with just singles. Like when it's rare, especially in hip hop nowadays, where somebody makes a concept album, you know. Like uh, Only Built for Cuban Links, like Life After Death, like the Fuji score, where it's just a collection of songs that all kind of meet this one principle that either they're trying to get across or, or what they're trying to say. You mentioned something that I thought was brilliant about this. OK, so so Raekwon, uh, also known as Raekwon the Chef, uh, and he got his name Raekwon the Chef uh, for being an expertise of cooking up crack cocaine. His original name is Corey Woods, born in 1970 in Brooklyn. Also a five-star Michelin chef. Is he really? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, his chicken code on blue with crack is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You, oh, you'll be hooked one bite. <laughs> so he comes from the Wu-Tang Clan. If you don't know who the Wu-Tang Clan is, uh, which would blow my mind if you don't, but uh, it is a, a collective out of Staten Island, out of the out of the five boroughs, really, but centered in Staten Island. You have RZA as the head, Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Method Man, Inspector Deck, You God, Master Killer, and Ghostface Killer. And then starting on this record, you have Capadonna, who was uh, a, f a friend, and when they started Wu-Tang, he actually was in jail. And so they replaced him with Method Man. Uh, the album and most of the albums in the beginning of Wu-Tang's career are all produced by RZA. RZA... It, That's so funny that they needed to replace him. They were just like, we need this many people. It wasn't like... we it could was not. It was, this is what's cool. That, that's funny that you bring that up because I was going to bring up 
Rizza had what he likes to call the five-year plan. What he did was he saw all these different MCs. He had already been doing music. Jizz had already been doing music. Everybody else was kind of doing their own thing, and he knew that they could rhyme. Rizza had this plan. He got them all together with the help of Ghostface mm-hmm. and basically took cousins, friends, whoever it was that he knew could rhyme, and he said, just listen to me for the next five years. Do everything I say. And I will blow this up because he was the one that was super fascinated with Shaolin and Jizza as well. And it was just like he knew how to do Method everything. Man, he was in the group. He was in the group home, right? That he was in that group. No, I didn't know that. Okay, nice. I only did so much research. But what Rizza did was he said, like, let me have your lives for five years. And I promise you will be the biggest group in the world. That was why it was like nine members, nine planets. Everything has this 36 is saying it's like there's 36 chambers on the body. Like all of it was all from his mastermind. And you could see it the way he released the records. Like you come out with Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Then he knew Method Man was the most charismatic of the group. So boom, you have Tikal, right? Tikal has Bring the Pain, All That I Got Is You with Mary J. Blige. That wins the Grammy. Yeah, beautiful LL Cool J style hit. Oh, it was was fantastic. And that was cool too to see like Method Man kind of have that soft side and be just like, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it was just so good. Then... You have my favorite record out of all of the Wu-Tang albums, which is Old Dirty Bastard, Return to the 36 Chambers. I named my show at the Comedy Store, Shimmy Shimmy Ya. Like, I, I'm just obsessed with that. And then you have Raekwon. And it goes on from there, of course, with Genius Jizz. And as the albums kept coming out, they after that five years was up, the whole world of Wu-Tang kind of started to disintegrate because he didn't have control over it like he had said or like he had planned on. Well, I mean, I assume a a bunch of grown men end up don't like having one person making all their decisions. But he was right. He was right for the most part. But again, I'm assuming, I mean, um, some of them moved on to have more success. And then we've seen um, future Wu-Tang albums when they did have RZA that weren't that great. And so I think, you know, it's just sometimes relationships grow and then they sure. and they end you know but one thing i really like about him and, and his business mind was the fact that you have this thing where they have a, gr- a group and then they all still were able to find individual um contracts and yes. that's the thing that you don't really see ever not at all today yeah you don't see that that's amazing yeah so he so he basically you know not only got you know, the group under loud, but he let them all do get con- separate contracts on other record labels. But specifically, Cuban Links. This is, like I said, produced by RZA and uses samples of dialogue <clears throat> from classic martial arts and gangster films such as John Woo's The Killer, Brian De Palma's Scarface, as well as, as samples and beats from rare groove soul records and soundtracks. And then, as you said earlier, it's presented as a movie. That is the coolest thing. And it's like, so basically it's a, it's a heist movie about two guys, Raekwon and uh, Jizza, not Jizza, I'm sorry, Raekwon and Ghostface. And they're trying to get out of the rap game. And that is set up with the first track. So let's dive into the record. All right. First track, Striving for Perfection. Uh, the movie begins with Raekwon and Ghostface, gritty dialogue setting up the crime saga of the record to come. Just two drug dealers 
are going to make one more big score before leaving their risky life behind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Underneath the John Woo's The Killer uh, score from the movie. Ghost has some great lines on it. He goes, son, as long as the love and the trust is there, son, we gonna grow. We gonna grow like a plant, son. And uh, Peter, play a little bit of that music in the background too while we're doing this. And then he goes, God, word is born. I'm the eyes in the back of your head, kid. Uh, a great way to set up the record. Yeah, it's a great setup. It's a good intro to me again, like a movie where to where it's like I'm just sitting down, settling in. Yeah. This is even a part where I don't really need to pay that much attention <laughs> because of a lot of intro and talking. And then I what can, are those milk beds? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can pour my raisinets into my popcorn, shake them up, get my stuff ready. Yeah, you dude. know, to me, this is like really where they're like, hey, go ahead, roll your blunt, yeah. get it all together and smoke. We're going to talk a little bit and then we'll get started with track two. I love that. But that's, that was a perfect synopsis. But what they say is it's about they want to leave that life behind so they can move forward. What have you had to let go of to move forward? Oh, plenty of things, you know. You, you got to let go of your ego. Um, I let go of my, my marriage I had to let go of. I had to let go of one of this idea that I just wanted to have like a perfect family you know because i didn't have my dad around and stuff yeah. so i just wanted to be like oh we're gonna be together and we'll be married and i just had to learn that sometimes doing things out of a sense of duty um is in the best so you have to you have to do what makes you happy and and you give more and you're happier um when you're happy and and i love it my life now is a lot better what was the hardest to let go of mm, hardest to let go of me was like cheesesteaks really <laughs> <laughs> I miss them so much. You know, I lost 140 pounds in the last few years. Um, so I had to give up a lot of things in that regard. Um, and it, it sucks because sometimes I see other people having fun and it makes me angry, and, you know, when they're skinny and eating cheeseburgers and stuff. But yeah. then I go like, you know, everybody's got their own issues and their own journeys and I got to take care of myself. And, and and I've been lucky enough to receive a lot of opportunities and, and, and get better at comedy and, and seeing so many of our friends pass and stuff. I'm like, I want to be able to take advantage and have as much fun and, and as much time here as I can. So that means I have to uh, give up some cheesesteaks. So, you know, that's that's OK. Was there a moment that it just hit you? Um, or was there something that it was like, was it a doctor or was it just, you know, because I just remember seeing you the, the Instagram messages of you at the gym. I remember I sent you some messages. I was like, dude, you're fucking killing it, dude. But was there one moment or anything that just was like, it's time? No, not particularly one moment. It was more like just a series of, of events where I was um, having trouble um, breathing. This lady woke me up on a flight and was like, I think you got sleep apnea. And then that didn't make me feel good. And then yeah. my mom came to visit for Thanksgiving and wanted to buy me some clothes. And then was mad because she was like, I don't, she's like, I don't like buying you clothes this size, you know, and just things like that, that kind of make you be like, whoa, like, oh, the yeah. people are really concerned about me. And, I, and my knees were starting to hurt. And I was like, I'm at the time I was like, oh, I'm only 32. I don't think my I didn't play football. I didn't do anything. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I don't think my knees should be hurting. You know, I didn't I had no active lifestyle. Yeah. So, um, just kind of the mix of those things. And, and then getting um, the role on the on my first show on the Undateable with, with the with the Leah and those guys. 
um again it was the first time where i was like oh like i'm like i don't even really know what i'm doing here and i ended up with this great opportunity so what if i like really took care of myself and really um focused on going to acting class and focused on presenting you know not trying to be like some type of heartthrob but be like be my best self and look the best that i can what can i accomplish you know yeah and so that really kind of motivated me that's great ever wonder what a punch from elton john feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in nirvana or what signal keith richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like this. Yeah! Down! Yeah! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Well, that leads us into Knuckleheads. This is one of the hottest tracks. Yeah, it's a on great track on my favorite. The pounding bass under the piano accented by the gunshots throughout. Ray comes out strong with the line of the song, I'm out, my raps play the part like a get smart secret agent. But Ghost is the star of this song. Peter, play Ghostface's whole verse. He starts it off with, who's the knucklehead wanting respect? And then he ends the verse, which is probably my favorite line, one of my favorite lines in this uh, album, where he goes, hits without a trace, never seen the bricks, see Ray and Ghostface, congratulations, chef, let's celebrate and sniff an eighth. Uh, I just love that because uh, I used to sniff eighths. Um, also, I got to give it up for you, God. Uh, just... You got, I never felt got enough shine in a lot of the Wu Tang records, but he he just came out, like, even in this, where he's like, the Fomidons, Oatbond, Dubanon, Skeleton, the Sailapon, the Silicon, the Fairlaton, the Skeleton, dude. So I love you, you got. But this is just about making drug deals go down. That's what this song is about, following suit with the opening track. There is also no hook, this is straight, straight story. Let me ask you a question. Was there ever a time when you could have seen yourself going down a knucklehead path that other friends of yours were on? Yeah, of course. You know, several times. I, that's pretty much the um, what keeps me excited and grateful now when things aren't going well, uh, career-wise or whatever, or as as I as well as I want them to be. Yeah, it's very easy for me to remind myself of like. <sighs> 
I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to be in a position I have because, you know, I, I grew up in the south side of Chicago and single single mom. And, and I was just very lucky that I didn't end up in, in, in gangs or, or involved in that. And then when I moved out to Oregon the only thing I had one time I sold hash for like a day it was not a good it didn't hash doesn't move well no it's not really it's not very popular I mean maybe if you were doing it out here people would have probably loved it but if I was in Oregon at the time you would think in Oregon they would want hash you would think so I didn't want the hash at the time (laughs) but a friend of mine (laughs) invited these two guys over to my house and they looked like they were casing the place (laughs) and they looked like they were either gonna trade me some stuff forever this hash or they were just going to come back and take it later so i was like sure here's my playstation and this tv give me that hash i guess and then i didn't try to sell hash i'm just not a good drug dealer so i just smoked a lot of hash that summer it turned out to be a delightful time <laughs> i uh had a small run as a ketamine dealer at raves in 1999 um i loved ketamine Um, It was my favorite rave drug. I was a big raver. I should probably preface everything and say I was a huge raver. I went to Europe on a backpacking trip for seven months, came back, started working at this place called Mozzarella's The American Cafe. And (laughs) yeah, it was like a Ruby Tuesdays offshoot. And it was just such a shitty mall restaurant. And there was this guy, Todd, there, and he started going to raves. And I had taken ecstasy for the first time in Amsterdam. So when I came back, I was kind of like, well, where can I find this? I'm 19 years old. It's time. Like, I'm really, I'm starting to come into my looks a little bit. And I was like, let me, I want to go out and meet girls and have fun. So he took me to this place called Buzz in Washington, D.C. It was this biggest weekly rave party in the country. And uh, after a few months of just doing ecstasy, I did ketamine and I would end up spending like $100 a night on like 520 bags. Then eventually somebody was like, dude, I get bottles of ketamine. Uh, Do you want one? You could you could cook it up in your microwave and then you could sell it and get the money and just basically, you know, make a little bit of cash and do a bunch of your supply. Keep my supply. Dude, I would buy it for $40. I would sell $40 worth and then I would do the rest. All it did was make me a worse ketamine head, uh, which was so funny because Ron, because I, Ketamine is like a disassociative. Like you take it and you're. Have you ever done it? No. You, it's Tell like, me about it. I don't do drugs with too many syllables. <laughs> Ketamine. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's three. Marijuana. There you go. That's weed. Play, weed. Okay, you, yeah, you take it down. <laughs> so ketamine is like it's 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 not a it's not a it's it could you could call it a hallucinogen, but it really it's like it's tranquilizer for pets. Um, and they give it to oh, people, Oh, yeah, no, too. definitely. If you had told me that, I'd been like, that doesn't sound like for me. <laughs> you piece of, it's, I mean, at a rave, you're dancing, you got your big pants on, you know what I mean? Your Jinkos, maybe some UFOs. And I was always making fun of you. Yeah. I knew a lot of people like that in Oregon, big cat in the hat hats. And, 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 <laughs> and, and yeah, they never seem trustworthy. It's like, why is that, why does that Jewish dude have wings on right now? And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, motherfucker, stick is <laughs> on my face. Uh, I was, yeah, I was a full-blown candy rave. And I uh, and then I remember I stopped doing it because I found cocaine and cocaine actually helped me like have a good time instead of just sitting there and sinking in to the couch. That takes us into the song Knowledge God. Now, to me, this is a classic RZA Wu-Tang track. It's got everything that RZA does. The piano roll, the orchestration, hook chorus, and the song is a tale of drug dealers and like I was saying, specifically cocaine. 
Very cool to start the song with the sniffs that Ghost talked about at the end of, of Knuckleheads, where he's like, let's celebrate and sniff an eighth. They actually did. I love that. The, <laughs> I did. Because it's, it's following. Keeps it authentic. It keeps it authentic. They're, they're following this story. And also, the initials of knowledge and God being KG, the abbreviation for kilogram, the unit of mass for measuring large qualities of cocaine. Ray's second verses is, and I've got this from Fader Magazine, Ray's second verse is one of the greatest rap verses that exists because he describes a rich man named Mike Lavoni in intimate detail. And I love this line of how they put it. It only takes Raekwon 150 words to give Mike a soul. Peter, play that motherfucking verse. My team caught bodies in grass, man. Hit a store owner named Mike Lavonia. Italiano, slanted eye, banging the fat Milano. Selling coke right out the bottle sometime. A nigga bought nines, successful minds. Crazy beast buying keys in Greece. Was a rich nigga. Picture the nigga without dope figures. Condo with his chick, rocking a gold figure. Mafia flicks, tying up tricks was his main hobby. Teaching his seed, Wu-Tang karate. Any thoughts on that? I like it. I like it how much he sets him up all his life, and then then he has killed abruptly. 100%. One thing you can say about Raekwon. Beautiful storyteller. He's a beautiful storyteller. All right, let me ask you this. Did drugs ever play a part in your life? Um, A lot of marijuana, for sure. I mean, still to this day, um, it's a big part of my life as far as one thing that helped get me out of my shell when I was in high school and got me... Um, active and out outdoors a little bit. Um, mushrooms I enjoy very much, but I only do on occasion. Um, but I find them a good thing to check on myself as far as like seeing how I feel and I find that they remove fear and kind of pull yes. me out of the maze of my life and yeah. let me uh, remind me of my my focus. Um, but that's about that's about it. And I still you know, but I think that for me. That's enough, you know. My, I mean, I guess no. I had more. My dad was, you know, he he was very much addicted to to cocaine and, and crack, and he wasn't in my life for a long time, and um, so that was a big part of why I kind of had stuck to only a couple things because I knew that I have a history of addiction. In my you were, were you? Is this that you knew that? Oh yeah, anything that I like. I mean, because that's a lot of what food, but you know, food addiction. Um, I mean, I smoke too much pot. I I have, you know, I I am addicted to pot, and and I still have a heart. I have a heart. Have to set rules for myself for when I can smoke, and then I then break sometimes, and it'll be a constant battle for me for sure. But um, because anything I like, I take to the hilt is one of the things that made me. I think more successful at comedy um, quicker because I was able, I, anything I did, I did that I became obsessed with if I really yeah. like it. So I, I knew like I never wanted to even like try. I had such an addictive personality. I've probably, I've done almost every drug uh, there is. And like you, as I had my breaking point where I was about to lose everything, I was probably going to die. I was so addicted to opiates. I got sober uh, I still smoke pot every once in a while, but, uh, and I'll do psychedelics in a very spiritual way, like you were saying, a kind of like, a, to be able to look inward and get out the stuff that you're having problems with and being able to see it. But what I did, same fucking thing, dude, is that I I tried to do the switch 
which was I was taking such bad care of myself. And I was so, after the car accident, just drugs and drugs and drugs. And then with the success, even more drugs. And now I have money. Um, when I stopped everything, I just said, how can I be healthier now? And now I'm just an addict of that. Like drinking, like, you know, I drink this blue algae MCT oil fucking like this thing kills all the bacteria in your body. If I don't have it every day, I feel so off. Do you know what I mean? And it's not going to make a difference. But my addictive brain yeah. says I need that. Yeah. Now, also, the song is Knowledge God. Let's talk knowledge for a second, taking it more literally. Are there any words of wisdom that you try to live by? Um, I mean, yeah, so many, so many. Um, let's see. I guess you want some examples. I mean, I love them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I just wanted the yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I do. moving on. Next, incarcerated <laughs> scout. No criminology. All right, well, yeah. What are some words? What are some What are some things that stick out to you to to live by? Um, interesting things that my mom told me when I was really young. Like, I remember my first day of school. She was like, "There's people who are gonna." like you for who you are and it's just people who are just aren't and the people who do are for you and who aren't fuck them and that really um put a big impression on me especially since i was like five and i hadn't really heard my mom curse that much yeah so that was fun um a lot of you know just not arguing with idiots you know just trying to detach from things and just stay focused and and do what i do i learned a lot of um wisdom from professional wrestling uh really how so like what what do you get from that there's so many things. A lot of things are wrestling. A lot of things are fake, you know. Um, and and if you look a little bit behind the things, um, you you just kind of get a little more piece of things. You you're not as easily moved by the roller coaster and the story of everything. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh well, this is all part of a, a thing. And um, it kind of gives you a little bit more peace that way. Like, it's one of the things I love about being on a set on in acting was, like, it's one of the few times I've really felt comfortable in a lot of places because I could look at the sides of the room that I were in and they look very real and I can look up and there's lights and I'm like, oh, this place is fake. And at least it's letting me know it's fake. And there's just something... Um, nice about that to me no i understand it what do you have a hard problem like dealing with reality i'm not a hard time dealing with reality i just have a hard time dealing with people i guess and now um you know you just things on the internet or whatever where people are so easily um in their cycles that they don't know that they're in and and you can just kind of watch as people get upset by things. You know, people are easily triggered and, and, and manipulated by that, you know. So it's like if, if people know what can can push your buttons, you know, they, they're going to they, push them. They're going to push them. And I think that we see that constantly in like our news cycle and, and, and this tactic of separation. And, and I, don't, I don't think I think it's a lot of people see it, but not enough. And that to me is frustrating. I can imagine. I mean, I try my best to stay offline because it's just. Like I post my picture and then I run and then I check back four hours later. I see how many likes I got and then I'm out. Uh, all right. Jumping into criminology because it's criminal that they have that anybody can get in touch with us. It's fucking criminal criminology. Huh? You, you like that? Yeah. Dude, I'm working on this shit, Ron. Um, Starting, what I love about this song, it starts with the who you think you're talking to scene from Scarface. And that's right there telling you this song is going to be hard as 
fuck. Yeah. Uh, that's now some some quotes says that's another beat that Riza had in the basement. Raekwon said this. That's another beat that Riza had in the basement that sounded real big and real strong. He goes, "Yo, we dare anybody to get in our way right now. Me and Ghost were just bloodthirsty wolves right here." Uh, you can hear it too. The the song, not just the rapping. It's almost like what I love about Ghostface Killer is like when he raps, you can just imagine him in the booth just like moving around and yeah. sweating really hard and just spitting a lot. Because he got on a big puffy jacket. You, yes, he does. He's got on a puffalophagus. Uh, but this is, what's cool about Maybe this song. Big arm gauntlet. Definitely. What it, what's, 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 what's dope about this song is that it's only two minutes of rapping, but then there's just two minutes of just the beat. Peter, play minute 205 for about 15, 20 seconds. What I think they did for this, why they played it and they just gave you two minutes of just beat is because they know people are going to be in their cars like going like, motherfucker, this is the shit. Yeah. And then right. And then they're like, I got to rap over this. So they gave everybody an extra two minutes. So it's like, yeah, no, come up with your own. Verse. <laughs> yeah, you can you do in the song. <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. It's a hundred percent a choose your own adventure. Uh, I love you, Rizzo. That was so nice of you to yeah. do that for us. Yeah, this- it starts off one way, and then it's just like, oh, we're in my car. We're going far. <laughs> <laughs> this establishes and defines the differences between lives of criminality. While Raekwon and Ghostface were hoping to escape via the rap game and criminology, the knowledge of their past processed into their raps. Now, you clearly put a lot of your real life into your work. You speak openly and hilariously about the complexities of having a son with autism. Uh, What are some of the joys of having a son with autism? What are some of the complications? Oh, I mean, there's so many. Mostly, I mean, the joys of of having a kid in general, you know, is you learn new things. Um, everything is new again. Christmas has meaning, and and that's just beautiful with any kid. You just love that. Yeah, you big Christmas fan. I am now because it makes them happy. I'm a Jew, and I'm saying that I fucking (laughs) dig Christmas. Oh yeah, it's the best. Cookies and presents and and just jolliness. It's a good holiday. (laughs) It's a good holiday. It's so dope that they gave you a day before to get ready for it. Yeah. Oh motherfucker, we giving you coming. It is coming. You better you ain't prepare. ready for this yeah. shit, mother. Boom, we yeah, dropped it on you. All right. We all, mostly we all take the week off until the end of the year. Yeah, we we'll just they forget. Now, I mean, mostly we don't. <laughs> but we wish we could. Um, and But as far as having a kid with autism, I learned a lot of things about, like, you know, talking is overrated. He has limited verbal capabilities. and and But I learned a lot more through, like, that we could spend a whole day together not really saying anything and still communicate together. And I think that that taught me a lot early yeah. and that really influenced a lot of my comedy about using words sparingly and, and efficiently. And, wow. Um, um, and, you know, as far as like obstacles, it's just, you know, misunderstandings with people. There's a lot of people who, when he would throw tantrums and stuff back in the day, he would throw, you know, full out, 
fits and people would think that we were kidnapping him or they would send child services over to our house and he wouldn't sleep and so the, you know the house was a mess and it was a lot of stress there's definitely a lot of stress and people don't really um it's a disability that people can't see you know yeah so it's really one of those things that people don't don't give you the same type of sympathy or the same type of understanding as, as other disabilities um but i i mean he's he's amazing and i wouldn't trade him or trade anything or change change him sure. at all he's a, and i'm glad that i get to talk about him it's the best part of my comedy and the best part of my life is the people who tell to me and tell me um that either they have someone with autism in their life or that they have autism and that they uh you know that talking about it in such an honest way and in a way that's not like oh you know woe is us you know it's just like it's just a part of my life it doesn't define my life but it is a part of it so i talk about it how has it altered your your life though i mean like as a person like what have like you sympathy sympathy yeah definitely a lot more sympathetic of a person um more um open to people and and other types of people um it made me defend who i was is really what got me into comedy was um i when i was had my my son my ex-wife was pregnant when i was 19 i was like uh you know just laying around on mattress dirty mattresses taking gravity bong hits and then i was like i gotta get a real job and i got a job at a bank call center and then um that wasn't who i was as a person at all and then when i found out that my son had autism it really just you know it kind of was this final tweak of my brain of this like Oh, you you're gonna have to a make enough money so that if he can't work and if he's, um, you know, has to live with you, that you have a home for him and that you have a place for him to stay and that you guys own things so that he doesn't end up in some type of group home situation. Yeah. So that was very motivating. And then the other thing was that I was like, oh, he is different as a person. I'm have to defend these differences. I am different in what I feel like I am called to do and what I should be doing. And I need to defend that and go do that. And so, um, this just made me, I guess a lot, um, more sympathetic, but also a lot stronger. That's great. Incarcerated Scarfaces. This is one of the most popular songs on the record, especially, yeah. especially if you're from Connecticut. Uh, it starts with a scene about not trusting people from the movie The Killers. And that's what I love is that Wu-Tang always pulls the dopest movie dialogue clips. This is probably the best hook, in my opinion, on the record. Uh, Peter, play the opening hook at 40, 48 seconds in. Now, yo, yo, what up, yo? Time is running out. It's for real, though. Let's connect. While I say ditto, we can trade places. Lift it in the staircase. Word up. Peace incarcerated. Scarface-related style. Attract millions. Fans, they understand my plan. Who's the kid up in the green land? Me and the Rizzo connect. Blow a fuse. You lose half-ass fools. Get demolished and bruised. Fake me fronting. Hourglass heads niggas be wanting. I fucking love Wu-Tang. It's just, I want to, like, fight the second I yeah. hear this shit. It feels like you're smoking a joint in the staircases with a bunch it, of people. Uh, yes, yes, dude. Uh, some cool lines from this. Uh, poisonous thing which thumps up and acts chumps. Raise a heavy generator. But yo, guess who's the black Trump? That was back uh, different era. Um, <laughs> no, he still stands by that. <laughs> You got guns, got guns too. What up, son? This is the best line in the whole fucking le- in the whole fucking album. He goes, "Do you want to battle for cash and see who, son, zoo?" 
Art of War. Art of War. I love that. People have been debating that lyric from a long time. Another one, uh, this is from Ghostface. Check the status. Soon to see me at Caesar's Palace eating Caesar salads. I fucking love it. And then you also- yeah, but I also feel like, what else, you know, are you eating there? That you're, that's not your entree. No, of I course hope. not. But I mean, it's, you know, you're at Caesar's Palace eating salads. I mean, that's, that's pretty dope. That to me is like you spent all your money getting to Caesar's Palace. Yes, you can't. I mean, but maybe the steak. I guess I'll get the salad. Maybe he's on the same diet as you. you yeah, know what I mean, true. like Raekwon. Keep this in mind: is five eight, and he was a pretty heavy guy. He was I don't say heavy, but he was he was kachunky a little bit. Portly, perfect adjective. Yeah, Ghostface because he he went so hard in the booth. He was he was nice. He had a little little lump, but not shush lump. He was in perfect shape. I don't know if that's true or not. Who was the best in shape person I on the Wu Tang Man or RZA himself? Yeah, because uh, RZA looks like he does like morning, like you know, Tai Chi mm-hmm. and like you know, like bow staff fights. Yeah, I feel like he's got he's skinny, but he has that wiry strength. Yes, according to Raekwon, uh, he goes, "I wrote that song right after, right there for all my brothers that were locked up." When you think ain't nobody paying attention to you, Chef thought about you. I love that. Also, Raekwon said that the beat was actually made for Jizza. So this could have been a Jizza song. He's like, I came into Rizza's basement one night and he just had that shit popping and I was like, I want that shit. This is me. I wrote the rhyme in maybe 15 minutes, the whole three verses before uh, before he knew it. The song was his and the song was popping. The hook was on it, everything. And he goes, that's like, that is Cuban links. What I love about what he said about this was that he's like, the, it came together just immediately. Like, he heard it, he knew it. Um, have you ever had a whole routine just come out of you and be fully formed? Um, I feel like sometimes I have, like, a couple, I can't even recall which jokes, but there's definitely, I feel like, two types of jokes. There are ones that are, like, these things you kind of have to crack away at and chisel at, and you're like, oh, I have something here, but it's going to take some time. And then there's these other jokes that are, like, kind of fall out of the blue, and, and they usually come from, like, when you're just having a lot of fun and hanging out with your yeah. friends and just chatting, and and then um, I've had that happen. And art it usually seems like one is a reward for the other. You know, you yes. get these jokes that come out of the blue because you put in the work chiseling away at these other jokes. And... Um, I mean, it used to happen a lot more when I was able to stay up till two, three in the morning, just smoking pot, writing. Yeah. But um, what's no. so? What's your routine now? Now it's a lot more just writing on stage. I sometimes try to schedule days where I can do that, where yeah. I just kind of chill around with my friends and we do that, and I just kind of try to um, keep everything in cycle. Really, you know, like. I travel with my friends and, and do comedy with my friends and, and I write with my friends. So we always try to kind of do it together and, and watch each other's sets and give each other tags. And, and, and that way, you know, just try to keep cre- creativity flowing. And I've been doing this thing lately where I just try not to get into my jokes at all for like at least a couple of minutes as long as there's type of support. And I know that we, we did that show together yeah. where like the mic wasn't working yeah. and, the, and the light was bad and everything was kind of like, it was like, no, you better go out there and do material. Yeah. But for the most part, I try to like avoid that lately. Just going out and doing your material. Yeah, I just try to talk about whatever I'm feeling in the moment or whatever. Like that because I don't like to do a lot of topical material, you know. So that's where I'll put it. It's like just up top to just 
see if anything then kind of sparks a personal um more personal material from that yeah you know well i feel like i feel like definitely it's it's funny like i'm finally writing jokes now that are me i'm being myself up there on stage but uh i did a show not the one that we did together it was it was two nights ago at the improv and it was all crowd work that's what they wanted and uh i somehow got into it not got into it, but this this woman I was talking to, and she said something along the lines of like, I was like, because she was talking about her job. She's like, no, I hate my job. I hate my life. And I, she's like, the world is shit. And I was just like, wow, why would you say that? And then I just went on this like TED Talk-ish. This some woman called it a TED Talk, but I don't think it was a TED Talk. It was me just being honest about how you need to change that perspective. Yeah, didn't she not know about the butterfly migration? Well, what's good? Yeah, I've noticed there are butterflies around they're here. They're migrating and they're everywhere. And how can you be possibly having a bad day when there's butterflies smacking you Fuck in the yeah, face? Dude. You're fucking Belle and this Beauty and the Beast around here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Chill out. Well, she didn't realize that. And so I went off and then I told this story, just very real, raw, and honest about how life is made. You can, you, you can be, there's, life is made up of positive and negative stuff. And like I tell this story and I get off and it gets a laugh and it does well, but I'll, I couldn't tell you more people reached out to me, like found my name, found my Instagram and reached out to me. I think like 10 messages just like that. I needed to hear that. That was so great. It was so personal. It's like when you're honest and you're being present and in the moment and you, you're just speaking from your heart, like audiences love that. It was great. It's a beautiful but thing. Talking about negative stuff, the next song is Rainy Days. Not to be a dick, uh, it starts out with Blue Raspberry singing about rainy days. And then a clip from the movie The Killer comes on where the dialogue is, you sang beautifully just now. In all honesty, uh, she kind of sounds like she sang off-key. Peter, can yeah. you play uh, the opening? It's a mystery Of how I'm gonna get mine I'm thinking about so many ways Of how to conquer these rains This is a little off. Uh, here is, they are describing how they wrote Rainy Days. He goes, when we wrote Rainy Days, I was just, he was like, when I wrote Rainy Days, I, I think we was already out of the country. They wrote this while in Barbados, uh, wrote it by the water, and he's like, the good vibes of the villa, the ocean, and all that shit, three or four in the morning, wind blowing, curtains blowing, we just had a chance to put it down. I think I wrote mine out there. I don't know if I needed to add to that quote, but, you know, I find a lot of useless information, and I feel like I should tell everybody. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun. That kind of makes it where you're like, oh, so you guys were having a great time. Yeah, we're having a great time, but I guess, but in, in the beauty, there is the sadness. We, yeah, we do they re- can reflect and remind you of those rainy days. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Rizza also said that this was one of his favorite tracks to work on, and he worked on this for longer than any track. Uh, this is a very emotional song, and if you feel it with that beat, the repetitive orchestra swoon, it's sad, hence rainy days. Now, what I love about this song is it shows the true friendship. Ghostface is bummed out about just being robbed, okay, which as you as you get. And yeah. other issues uh, he has with the mobster lifestyle, and he even calls himself ungodly. Blue Raspberry acts as the lady who sees her man losing touch. 
but here it is. His brother man, Raekwon, talks him down, and you can really hear the love and care that they have for each other in the different uh, verses. Before this album came out, Raekwon said this about Ghostface, and I fucking love this. That's my heart right there. We think so much alike. Like, I'll say something, and he'll be like, yo, I was just getting ready to say that, son. Now, we all have rainy days. Who are you Who are you most fortunate enough to have as a friend that's like a brother that you can get through them with? And give me a situation of how they helped you. Um, I mean, a lot of people. A lot of people, really. Um, but I'd say... There's people, a lot of people who passed away that were really like that. And my friend Will, who was there for me, like when I was getting um, separated and getting ready to be a divorce and I didn't have a place to live. And um, my only real options were like I could go live with my mom, who was like, go come live with me in Chicago, but you got to quit doing comedy. Oof. You got to uh, get a real job and focus on your life. Um, and Will was like, you know, I see what you're doing. I see what you got going on, and I don't want you to give up on it. And you can, he and he let me live in his mom's basement with yeah. him, for rent free for like three months. And it, um, you know, it really saved my life. It's made it so that I was able to continue to do comedy and to continue to to get over that hump. And um, that that's probably the person that that would make me think of as far as people who are alive right now. I'm most grateful for for like my mom and my 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 everyone that's in my house. My mom, my son, my, my girlfriend, and um, my best friend, and my, my writing partner. You know, and they're the people who are there with me when you know when I get ter- told no for things that I really feel like I'm capable of doing, or when I. Um, get down on myself because I broke my diet or, you know, or they're the people who hide candy from me so that I don't break my diet. You yeah. know, they're the people who really, who, who believe in me and believe in the things that I want to do. Nice. That's They all live in the same house. You guys. Uh, no, not, not, not Gabe. He doesn't, but my mom and my, my girlfriend, and my son are there. Yeah. Oh, that's great to have that support system there for you. That's fantastic. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. 
Guillotine Swords. Uh, this is Ghostface, Jizza, and Inspector Deck. Now, this is classic Wu-Tang Clan ensemble song from top to bottom. It has the violent boasting, the philosophies of the 5% nation, a mid-1960s Harlem-based offshoot of the Nation of Islam, the Shaolin samples, the boom-boom-bip drum pattern. In fact, Jizza's verse at the end sounds like a precursor to Liquid Swords, which was right after Cuban Links and is another Wu-Tang masterpiece. Play uh, Jizz's verse for me, Peter. Play it, Peter. The nigga don't get mad. I got mad styles of my own. And it's shown when my hands grip the chrome microphone. Verbally, I catch bodies with cordless shotties. Intriguing them seeds, I keep them trained like potties. I bomb facts. My sword is an axe to split backs. Invisible, like dope thing tracks. Sky's the limit. Niggas are timid. And nobody knows how we move like wolves. And sheep clothes producing data. Microchips from software. I'm the ground and off air. The land of the lost. Cool shit about this is that Jizza basically alludes to various imagery from the previous three verses. Uh, so when Inspector Deck says attack like a wolf pack, Jizza says like wolves in sheep's clothes. When, J- when Ghostface says computer wizard, Jizza says microchips and software. And when Raekwon says the other side of the map, uh, Jizza says where the Mason Dixon line cross and the position of this on this track shows how respected Jizza is in the Wu-Tang. He typically goes last when featured prior to this. He closed out, bring the ruckus, protect your neck, seventh chamber. And they say Jizza closes out every track because no one wants to rap in his wake. So we all know the shit is about to pick up when this guy finds the final verse. Now, Listening to this song, um, I would never say this to Wu-Tang's face, but this is Wu-Tang exhibiting fragile male ego. (laughs) This is just boasting about how good they're rapping. That's it. Just every rapper doing that. They're using swords and guillotines as a metaphor because we are in a cutthroat business. When has your ego gotten in the way of your career? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... I'd say, you know, a couple times. There's a couple times where, but I don't know if, it, I wouldn't even know, say if it got in the way. Because I, I still don't think I would have changed how I was reacted. Well, what, so what happened? Um, well, I went and I, I did, um, sh- sh- they were doing Bringing Back Showtime at the Apollo. Yeah. Which I don't even know if they did bring it back or not. I don't know. Um, but I did get a chance to be through that show and it meant a big, it was a big deal to me because that was a big show that I watched with my mom, you know, and I wanted her to be able to see me rep the Oak and come out and do a set. And they told me to be pretty clean, um, but they didn't really specify what that meant, you know? So, um, and they never vetted the set either. So I just kind of did what I normally do and it went well and got a standing ovation and then they were all high fives on the way out and then they called me like 30 minutes later and they were like we need you to come back and do a new set and do a clean set and um i was like well i mean i just did that set and i did it and i'll do it against if you i guess if you want to pay me again sure yeah and they were like no you need to do it or we're gonna cut you out and i was just like well i don't i i'm not gonna do that and then i um uh, but I know I would have meant a lot to my mom if I did, so that's a part of me that where I wish I um, had that go better. But but for the most part, I feel like I just stood by my principles, and 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 I'm okay with that. Um, sometimes online with Twitter, I I get very 
um, indignant and if I feel like people, I'm quick to just block people. And, yeah. And do like that. And I, I mean, I'm a person who will, <laughs> who will like lose, I would rather lose a few hundred fans because I'm like, you guys were never going to buy anything anyway. You were fickle anyway. Yeah. You know, if, if one bad joke or one thing where I didn't say something properly made you turn on me, then I don't think you were really with me. So I'd rather go with people who know my heart. You know, um, so I think but I think in in some cases that could be a detriment because I forget that I'm still introducing myself to people. Sure. Do you think you've had a time where your ego has gotten out of control? I mean, do you are you how do you keep it in check or I get in check because I have a fucking 16 um, year old son, you know, yeah. who doesn't care. He doesn't care about any of that. He yeah. cares. I pay get his Xbox games and I keep <laughs> and take him to video game stores and stuff like that. I remember the, f- the first time I did a TV set, I did Conan, and I wanted him to see it. He was doing something else. He didn't care about it. And I was like, come watch Daddy on TV. Come watch Daddy on TV. And so he just walks over. I think he was still in, in Pampers at the time, drops his Pampers and just rubs his butt across the TV, walks away. And I was like, okay, that may- yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I should just be a dad right now. So yeah. I think, you know, that, that balance has always kept me from really letting my ego get out of control and that, that I have high, I have high goals. So to me, I'm like, I haven't really, I haven't done enough to have a big ego. Sure. You mentioned this earlier about social media and I brought this up to Michael Rappaport on the last show. So I just wanted to ask you to social media and the immediate need to cut through a million hot takes these days comedians whose job it is to observe society hold a mirror up to it and ridicule as necessary are held to a higher standard than politicians the outrage machine goes off and then our ego turns into doing crowd work online a comedian can't apologize for a joke or explain it because it might seem like we were serious in the first place do you have any experience with that yeah, all the time. Happened this morning. What happened this morning? Um, I just saw a video of some Australian politician getting hit in the head with an egg by a kid. And then he punched the kid in the face. And then they kept fighting the kid. And I was like, that's the type of person I want to vote for. He doesn't get, he's like, I don't stand for any type of trash. Yeah. But then I found out that guy was racist and hate Muslims. I didn't know that. But I guess the other people did. So they got really mad at me. Like, I really was. And I was like, hey, first of all, I'm not allowed to vote in any type of Australian <laughs> election. Yeah, so it doesn't make a fucking difference. It doesn't make a difference. B, I was fully just involved in this egg incident and i did not know any other part of it and, and i and see i i just thought it was funny watching a grown man fighting a kid just relaxing i didn't apologize for the jokes i just making a joke i'm just like look i you're yeah if you want to unfollow me because i made a bad joke or an uninformed joke that is your response that's but that, that's not gonna stop me from doing jokes because that's how I grow. That's yeah. how I learn. That's how I um, figure out what I'm going to do. And if I'm afraid to do that, then I'm not going to make good art. And if, and I think um, a lot of what that breaks down to, what that quote you gave me was that a lot of times now people are making comedy to be agreed with instead of just to surprise and make people laugh. And I'd never want to do that. I don't care if you agree with me. I've never... Um, that's not how I've ever lived my life. That's not how I've been taught to live my life. I don't need people to agree with me. Yeah. I will live my truth, and I will present you with my truth. And you can laugh at it, and you can enjoy it, or you can go about your way, and that's fine. Sure. Can't it all be so simple? Which is actually not just the segue, but it's the next song. Remix. That's the 
fucking it's can it all be so simple i love Remix. it thank you very much it's a misinterpret it's not misinterpret it's a reinterpreting of a track off of enter the 36 chambers raekwon and ghostface killer use this song to look back by also reminiscing about their younger days and re-examining what is most important to them now uh, in my opinion, the original Can It All Be So Simple is fantastic. I thought this one was okay. Uh, I kind of like the original more. So I always have this thing where it's like, if what would make this a perfect album? What song would be cut? I don't think they needed to put this one on here, mm-hmm. but I get it. Uh, I get it, especially if, if you're not a hardcore fan and maybe you didn't hear it. True, I understand that, but I think Wu Tang. I mean, I, I, I guess you're right. You know what? I can't. I have no answer for that because I was going to try to say, but yeah, but everybody would know Enter the Thirty Six Chambers, but some people might have just discovered Rake One. So you're a hundred percent right. Uh, this is produced by RZA, as is everything else on the album, with a sample from "The Way We Were." Try to remember by Gladys Knight and the Pips. And the Pips. I said the Pimps, but the Pips. Um, how would your younger self critique your present self? I think about this all the time. I just thought about this recently. Good. So I'm so glad you bring it up because he would be like, you are killing it. <laughs> he would love everything that's got going on. Multiple different flavors of weed in my house. And you know, I have a house. Yeah. I got a lot of video games around. My girlfriend is very nice and has a big butt. You know, these are all things I wanted when I was 12. I got so many wrestling action figures and I make money talking shit so it really is like i am like this is what i wanted to do when i was a teen and so um i've been really thinking about because i just turned 36 i was like man i'm so happy and grateful and and um you know i grew up i i didn't really have much childhood you know my, my my dad was gone early and it was my me and my mom and my my sister and my mom was working all the time and then i had my son when i was 19 and it's kind of been nice now to like really like i work out all the time and i like really focus on what i want to do and i still spend time with my son and stuff but it's like i'm really getting to just be like man i'm getting to have that kind of like stress fury time of really enjoying my life and just working out and being a teenager now. Yeah. I like, I like that. Have your priorities shifted or are you, you know, like what's, 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 what's important to you now? They shift uh, depending on the time. Like if you talked to me a couple years ago, um, especially when I was get, getting my hour together, it was very, very much money related. And I was like, I need to get a house. I need to get a house. And a lot of my material was about money and some of it wasn't that like, um, enjoyable it was kind of snotty and egotistical and um and now there's a little more like real confidence and more like okay now i'm a little bit set and i'm not perfect i might have a modest home and i have a a nice family and things can always change but like now i'm just kind of focused on like what can i really present and what can i give back to comedy and what's my message and, and and what you know how can I help other people in comedy? And and that's really what I'm trying to, you know, I still have to build my own thing, but, yeah, but those are the people who, who I grew up with. And, and like see, when I see Conan and I see these other people as they get older, really reach back and help other people. I'm like, that's the type of not only comic, but that's the type of person I like to be, you know? All right. I need you to say the title of this song. Okay, sure. Does it say niggas in it? Yeah. Sure it does. <laughs> Shark niggas is what it's called. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Shark, yes, niggas. Shark, shark N-word. Shark Here niggas. we go. Yeah, so this is, this is not really a song. 
It's Ray and Ghost going off on people biting off of others. Kind of a jab at Biggie for Ready to Die's cover, copying Nas Illmatic's cover. Mm. So that's what I read online. Now, comics that knowingly steal jokes from other comics are pretty despised in this scene. What's your sense of ownership over things that you create? Um, I mean, things same as any artist, you know? I just like to be respected for my work, and you, you, we don't always be like, oh, I need money for every joke that I write. But if someone steals my jokes, I've had, you know... Has that happened? Yeah, of course. You know, you have those Instagram or Twitter accounts that, like, steal everyone's jokes. Like and, the fuck Jerry's yeah, and shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 and that's happened a couple times. And What did you do? Oh, I got... I just... I, um... I started DMing them, and then I got my bunch of my followers to just keep posting on their page to give me accreditation. And, yeah. And, it was, um, and then they eventually relented and said they they credit it. But um, because, you know, it, these are the way we make money. Yeah. This is our livelihood. So when someone – and also there's just a respect that I think people don't have for, for cra- the joke craftsmanship and comedy in general that they think like any – you know, it's one of the things because like, you make it look good. They go, anybody can do it, you yeah. know? And uh, um, I just don't believe in that, and that's so – I'm just a big believer in, in, in people doing their own material, just like anybody, you know? But there's things that we, we all have that. Um, group think when, when people write certain ways, but that's why I try to write so personal. So yeah, it doesn't happen. Uh, that takes us into Ice Water. I love this song. Beat is sick. Uh, I love the voice just going ah throughout it. Just, ah. uh, it's hard. Weird fact. Uh, uh, weird fact. People thought the sample was Bing Crosby's White Christmas, but it's actually Where Do We Go From Here by Dolores Hall. Ray crushes his verse. Let's listen to that real quick. Peter, play Ray's verse. Yo, back in the days, bag of cracks, scraping plates, flipping cakes, who them heavy head, niggas hating jakes, it be us, all the war soldiers, hanging in halls, getting over city niggas, shoot for blood money, rocking rovers, stay dip, don't have no money in your pocket in the streets, whitey sweep with more money in they jeep, crack bumps, watch your back for jumps, put me for a fake $20 bill, get them son, we ain't the one, politicking, plus picking, sticking these Dominicans, eating good, had to shoot my way you buy the Vinicans, that's like the top it all on beef for white, pulling bleach out, trying to throw it in my eyesight, yo. So this uh, is actually Capadonna's debut. Capadonna taught Raekwon to rap and was going to be a member of the Wu-Tang, like I said, but ended up going to prison and being replaced by Method Man. He also mentored you, God, who convinced him to come to the studio when he got out of prison and get involved. He was eventually made an official member of Wu-Tang Clan. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been replaced? <laughs> yeah, of course. I've been fired for several jobs. Give me a story. Um, I mean, I got fired for Chuck E. Cheese because they said that I was too shy. Um, that's not a real story. Um, I got, you know, any job that I had, I really got fired. Um, that's, but you know, I'm just not a real job person. Not, <laughs> never been good at them. Never been good at keeping them. I can get them for about six months. Yeah. All right, moving on. Glaciers of Ice. The song is fire. Uh, it sounds like it was made on an 8-bit video game system, and the scream that comes through in it is so intense. The first single backed by Ice Cream. So when Ice Cream came out, this was the, this is a double A-side single, and Glaciers of Ice was on the other side. They start off really getting into how Ghostface tricks out his favorite shoes, uh, the Clark Wallabies, by dyeing them different colors. 
which Ghostface loves. And you can also see that because on the cover of Iron Man, Ghostface solo record, he's holding the, the dyed wallabies. Like, he's obsessed with those wallabies. Now, the treasure of glaciers of ice is a pile of diamonds, which would seem like a pretty solid image of having made it rich. The chorus, uh, they also mention having their seeds, their offspring, marry each other to keep their wealth insulated within the Wu-Tang family. And let's hope they they don't really mean that because uh, a lot of them are related. Yeah, Yeah. RZA, Jizza, and Old Dirty Bastard are cousins. Everyone kills it. Once again, uh, Master Killer, uh, he he, he does a great verse, but I have this belief that Master Killer is dead inside. Like, he has (laughs) no emotion whatsoever. If you, let's just go for Triumph's verse. He goes, the track renders helpless and suffers for multiple stab wounds, at least sounds that hurt. 93 million miles away from K-1 to represent the nation. He's just, I, I just dead. Cool fact about this. Late... Mob Deep rapper Prodigy described in his autobiography how he was high on PCP and so into blasting this track while he was recklessly driving his old car that he crashed and spun out. Now, tell me about a time where you took your eyes off the road and got distracted and crashed. It never happened. Never happened. I've been in a crash when I moved... When I was moving from Chicago to Oregon, we were going through these mountain passes, and my dad, um, he left his eyes off the, off the thing, and we crashed, and we hit the guardrail, and lucky that guardrail was there. Or I would not be here. I yeah. would be dead. Uh, but me, myself, um, I've only been in just some random fender benders. Uh, usually, it's, um, if it was my fault, it's because I was stoned, and yeah. but I got out of it, okay? okay? And now I just Uber a lot because I want to stay out of that position. Okay, well, let's take into a metaphorical eyes off the road and mm-hmm. crashed when does that happen in your life when have you become unfocused and mistake happened um when you're rushing you know anytime um or, or whenever i get too focused on about what i want that's been a big lesson in my life is i usually don't get what i want i just have to be happy with whatever the universe gives me and when i get too focused about something that i want to do and I, I i stop focusing on on what the real goals are which yeah. is feeding my family and keeping everybody happy um then then there's the real that then it becomes an issue yeah well what let me ask you this what distracts you in life Oh, it distracts me, butts. You know, like a good butt that distracts me. Um, weed, weed distracts me. Um, gummies, gummies definitely distract me from my health goals. Um, you know, things the same thing that distracts other people. Holidays when those come up, and you're like, oh, I just want to have a good barbecue time, Fourth of July. You know, those things, those type of things. Yeah. I've been really focused on like. Not letting, you know, having fun on, on days that mean things to me, but not letting me myself be ruled by like, oh, it's the holidays, so I got to eat a eat bunch of baked goods. Yeah. Okay. Jumping into the next song, Verbal Intercourse. Uh, this is one of the best songs on the record, in my opinion. I love the song. I love the long intro, and then the beat drops, and Nas just crushes it. P. 
Peter, play Nas's opening verse. Through the lights, cameras, and action, glamour, glitters, and gold. I unfold the scroll, plant seeds, the stampede, the globe when I'm deceased. But in the beast, the rise like yeast, the conquer peace, leaving savages to roam in the streets, live on the run. Police paying me to give him my gun. Trick my wisdom with the system that imprisoned my son. Smoke a gold leaf, I hold heat. Nonchalantly, I'm grungy, but things I do is real, it never haunts me. Wow, funny style, niggas rolling a pal. Boost the heads, profile on a bus to Rikers out. Holding weed inside they pussy with their minds on the pretty things in life. Props is a true thug's wife, it's like a cycle. Niggas come home, some go in, do a bullet, come back, do the same shit again. From the womb to the tomb, presume the unpredictable. Guns salute life rapidly, that's the ritual. This uh, verse, this Nas verse was touted by the Source magazine in the late 1990s as one of the top five verses of all time in hip-hop. Uh, this is also the first appearance of a rapper outside of Wu-Tang Clan on this record. Now, Ooh. yeah, no, it's it's a big deal for them. Nah, and also, Nas is a shit, so if you're going to do it, you, you get one of the best rappers of all time. I mean, at this point, Nas had already released Illmatic the year before, and despite Cuban Link's phenomenal success in the heads, uh, Illmatic generally still outranks this album on best of New York hip-hop lists. Listening to Nas's powerful, direct, and intelligible contributions on this, you can see why. Wu-Tang used such dense and often enigmatic rhymes and almost puzzling wordplay that challenged the audience and took repeated listens to absorb, if even at all. Now, what I love is that about this is this is an assist from Nas to Wu-Tang and vice versa. Who has given you an assist in your career? Oh, so many people. Um, John Mulaney, in particular, is a name that, that really... He just talked about you on uh, the fucking on crashing. I yeah. was like, oh, it's fun. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, and he, that's he's been a big part of of my success. And um, he took me out. He was one of the first people to take me out on the road nationally, and and, and um, really um, informed a lot of my work ethic on what it takes to be a really successful comedian. And as always really looked out for me and 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 put more word out. Like I saw Pete Holmes the other day. And was like, oh man, thank you guys so much for 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 talking about me on Crashing and just give me a little name check. And he was like, that was all just Mulaney just ad libbing. And, and, and um, Tim Nick Kroll has been a, a guy like that for me. Um, I mean, really, just a lot of a lot of comedy community has really been very supportive for me. Pat Patton Oswalt in particular. Um, but but there's not really many people. What I, I really find is that people who are really good at comedy and really like comedy, you know, love seeing other people come up and love seeing other people grow. Yeah. Um, I guess another one would be Conan, you know, he took me on his tour with him and put me on a show was the first person to put me on TV, first person to put me on the couch and, you know, took me on his tour. So um, I would say those people in particular. That goes on to Wisdom Body. This is an anomaly as it's not only the loosest and sloppiest production on the record. You can literally audibly hear vocal edits in it, but it's also a track without Raekwon on it. Mm. Just a solo ghost face. Uh, This Excuse Me Miss type song was originally called Fly Bitch Shit and came about by Ghostface drunkenly attacking the track before Ray got there. When they tried to add Raekwon on, RZA thought it was too personal to Ghostface and it should be just a solo track. And there, that was no issue, according to Raekwon. Uh, he said, 
In my eyes, Cuban Links was always Ghost's album as well as it was mine. I already knew that me and him was a pair, which I love that RZA saw the connection between the two of them, and he goes, I got to... It's like, it's Raekwon's record, but Ghost and him vibe so good together that we have to give them their own solo. And it, then it got reciprocated when Ghost had his record and Raekwon is heavily featured on it. And I love that. And Ghost crushes it. Play a little bit of the, uh, of the verse for me, uh, Peter. Yo, check the banging the sounds that I invent. Fake niggas who try to flex hard came and went. They couldn't match up with the fly nigga with his back against the wall. Heads clocked. Once I came in the door, I played the speaker, slipping on Kahlua, saw this bad bitch with a switch, and yo, I had to step to it in a manner, and rather wish the current was warm, when I had reached her, I looked and knew the shit was on. Best line in this song, he goes, your waistline banging like a baseline. I love that. Now, I would love it if we could do that in comedy, if you were in the middle of doing an hour, you can. and you were like... I, I, I'm gonna take this next 10 minutes off. <laughs> Milady, you wanna come back out here? Yeah. But, it, but it's what I'm saying is it's like there's there's definitely, like I have my assist people. I have Jeremiah Watkins. I have Avery. I love working with them. Sometimes I'll get sets and I'll be like, yo, what, you guys wanna come in and, and we'll just be a part of it together? But f- focusing the most on this is that this is a song uh, about basically trying to pick up a girl. What is the most bullshit thing or act you said or did to women and women's approval? I try to pretend like I could skateboard. You? Yeah. <laughs> How long ago was this? Um, it was a teen. Okay. Teen. Try to pretend skateboard, which doesn't go really well in winters in Southside Chicago, and I was practicing out in front of my um, house and trying to roll by this girl and show her that I was doing it and I fell and hurt myself greatly how bad would you break something I or? didn't break anything but I knocked the wind out of myself and luckily I was just right out of her view when I fell down uh, but I really learned that that just that wasn't going to work for me that was a <laughs> lot of my life was doing that I used to like you know I don't drink and you know, I'm allergic to alcohol and a lot of um dates before I got more confidence for me hanging out at bars drinking Shirley Temples trying to act like I wanted to be there but yeah. no I'm like hey if you if this is what you want to do we probably just aren't going to work out anyway. yeah I used to uh, I'm not like when I was really in the club scene when I was like 18 19 and I did it into my 20s really when I drank I used to sometimes put on a British accent that's so fun that's so bad though. I can see it though especially yeah. now with your hair and oh stuff. thank that's you very fun. much I, I'm obsessed with Britain I mean I am part British My we're like literally like 30% British and my mom just like wants to completely I disown our it. Russian half and just yeah. be like no we're British mm-hmm. that's what we are we're Both watching fun. It's, they're great yeah oh, I'm super proud of being Russian I love it I'm Ukrainian in particular but definitely the, oh, I felt no, not that what, no. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked him but what I'm saying is, it's just that, I mean, I can't even imagine how, like, like what was I going to do? I don't even know if it actually worked. I know I probably, because it, the worst thing is, is you do that British accent, and you're like, or even if you're say you're stuck in it. I'm stuck in it, and then I can't, like, I can never break, because that's going to be horrible. I think one time I met a girl, I was British, and we hooked up. We didn't have sex, we just made out. And then I called her, because I actually liked her, and then I was like, uh, so I just want to tell you something. I'm not actually British. I'm uh, I'm from Germantown, Maryland. And she was like, you fucker. And then hung up. Yeah, and then I was like, well, that's. Uh, that makes sense. Just, you got to live it. <laughs> Spot Rushers is the next song. What I want to say about this first and foremost is that Wu-Tang talking interludes are fantastic uh, because you just feel like they set up a mic 
and they just let them talk. And it was basically Wu-Tang doing like their own podcast. It starts with Raekwon and Wu-Tang having a, having a discussion over a St. Ides commercial. Uh, and then Raekwon rips through a very detailed story about robbing some out-of-town dealers who try to invade his territory. The precise imagery and dialogue is so authentic and specific that the listener can't be sure if it's completely made up. And uh, it's a really good verse by Ray. Um, okay, beat, though. Uh, that takes us into ice cream. Uh, I love Method Man's hook. Peter, play the motherfucking hook. Watch these rap niggas get all up in your guts. Prince vanilla butter, pecan, chocolate deluxe. Even caramel sundaes is getting touched. And scooped in my ice cream truck. Set it up. This was the hit off the album. This is the one with the music video where they're just trying to pick up all these yeah, different girls. Yeah, this is the single. This is the single. If you're going to make a single, this is it. This is the <laughs> perfect rap song to make if if, or if you're going on tour. Yeah. It's just it's like, oh, you know, you playing it and it's like it's inclusive to yeah. all races. So you really know you're like, man, we got this song. We all getting laid on tour. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be great. Definitely. Everybody crushes it on it. Ghost, though, paints a picture uh, because he just describes this fly chick so great. He goes, Black Miss America, your name is Erica, right true, lazy eyeball, small feet, sick shoe. I she love doesn't that. sound great. Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he said Black Miss America. Oh, I guess that's true, but with the lazy eye as well? I mean, I've seen some hot girls with lazy eyes. That's I mean, true. It's totally possible. You know, that's true. Erica, also, she's small. You figure she's small. She's got small, you know, small feet, six shoe, unless she's like seven feet with that, but I doubt it. Uh, I also like this song because then it makes me think of like old rappers listening to it then who would be like, oh man. Uh, rap today is crazy It's all about metaphors They got the song Ice Cream It is not about ice cream <laughs> Like when we did songs When we did a song All You Can Eat It was really about all you can eat Yeah dude uh, Another great lyric is Goddamn backyards banging like a Benzie If I was Jiggy You'd be spotted like Spuds McKenzie That just, is a great line I love that Because it's just It just really just re- This album it's, it's You can listen to it now And still appreciate it But it really If you grew up in the era that we did And he, they have so many great references To that time That is like You know It's so important to us Hello Tom May here Host of Future Friday I've spent the last 15 years on the road With my band The Menzingers Where I've met All kinds of wild And fascinating people So I started a podcast On Future Friday I talked to fellow musicians About the moments That made them Their passions Outside of music And the curiosities That tie us all together I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. And this is literally just about fly ladies. Now, what are winning qualities that you look for in a woman? Oh, um, kindness. I'm really into kindness. I like that a lot. I like it. Um, when when people are funny and and that I can talk with and have good bits with someone that I can just lay around with and have a bed picnic and watch you know reality shows I'm really into that um, you know I like a good big old butt that's fun yeah you keep mentioning that yeah. you're a huge butt fan. I like good butts but I you know what's funny is I was I was a boot I, I, I believe this when guys are young they're boob men. Because they don't have boobs and they just need to see them and they just got to, you know, like boobs, 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 boobs. That's all we think about. But as we get older, it's all butt. 
Because we realize there's much more you can do with a big butt yeah. than just boobs. Boobs just hang there and, and nothing yeah. against them. They're great, ladies, but a butt. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All about the big butt. Anything else with, about that, about girls? Um, I like people who got, um, you know, motivation, their own passions. Yeah. And, you know, somebody that I can be proud of. That's about it. All right. Um, I basically have the same ones. Now, as the song begins, it begins with a sample uh, of a really well-known Eddie Murphy routine uh, with the just ice cream. So I have to ask, uh, who were some of your formative comedic influences? Oh, easy. Um, my top three comedic influences are um, Mitch Hedberg, um, Dave Chappelle, and Lucille Ball. Those are the people who I really grew up um, really loving. If you listen to my first album, it's basically um, my impersonation of what a comic, I think a comic is, and it's a lot of just really, Mitch is very Hedbergish. And um, I think now more, I'm, I'm more and more finding my, my, my own unique voice. Yeah. Um, but those are the people who, when I saw Dave Chappelle, it was really when the first time where I was like, oh, here's a black comic who isn't really coming across. Like, I love like Richard Pryor and, and, and Robin Harris and people like that, but they all kind of had this same vibe of this like super confident um, alpha male black person that I wasn't like. And um, and seeing someone like Dave Chappelle doing jokes about babies selling crack and yeah. and all these things where I was like, oh, he is a weirdo. He is yeah. a nerd. <laughs> um, and that would really influence me that I was like, oh, this is something that I can do. And I, um, I just, Lucy Ball was probably the first, I love Lucy, was the first comedy I ever watched. And um, still like my favorite probably my favorite person yeah i'm so influenced by by black comedians because i was just obsessed with i mean i first comedic uh, comedian i really ever saw not live but i remember seeing was watching uh comic relief with my dad in 86 and seeing one of the carlin do his my stuff is stuff your stuff is shit bit and so that's when i was like i want to be a comic but then it was like bring the pain uh chappelle's first special Patrice O'Neill still to this day is my elephant in the room is my favorite comedy special. I just think he's so brilliant and it's such a loss that I never got to see him live because I love that special after the car accident I was in. It really helped me stay somewhat positive, you know? All right. He was a big motivator for me losing weight. Really? He he died. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could see that a hundred percent. Um, Woo Gambinos. Meth is undeniable as probably the most charismatic member of the Wu-Tang Clan. Play his opening verse, Peter, until he says for real, because it's the shit. Tony Stark, Universal Frontier. Original blood clot, Who come to get you none? They want guns? I'll be the first to set off shit. Laugh to run. Who woe together is one. I call my brother son because he shine like one. Check it. Scriptures hit the body like sword off shoddy. Like my hair naughty and my nose piece snotty. Fuck a nigga hottie. That whole pussy probably burn like the deserts of Mugabe for red. I love Ain't Method Man so much. This He's the best. He, he is. is such a sweet person, too. Oh, uh, you've met him? Yeah, I did. Um, He does a show where you do rap battles. I forgot the name of it. Drop the mic. That's it. I did that show and I rap battled Raven Simone. And he was so nice and, and charismatic. And ladies still love him so much and um and i understood he's he is a ball of charisma yeah uh he's definitely by the the first real attention getter from the wu-tang clan uh and this is 
Go ahead. I still think about that time period in rap where, like, man, rap was so popular and they were so popular. Where Method Man and Red Man, not only did they have a movie, they had a, a, a sitcom on on regular television. What channel? Was that WB? It was either UPN or WB. I don't remember exactly, but it was just called Red and Meth. I remember that. But also, that was there was a time that I remember, like, you know, when No Limit Records had a bunch of movies. Like, Master P had I Got the Hookup. And, uh, I mean, Friday, I wouldn't really call that a hip-hop movie, but it did have Ice Cube in it, and it was people that kind of took it that way. And Wu Gambinos is basically talking about uh, the ride or dies of Wu-Tang. Who are your ride or dies? My ride or die people. Yeah. Um, man, there's just a lot of people who, who still support me from when I first did comedy, from when I was selling bootleg CDs um, that was burning on my computer, you know? I can think of people in particular, the McElroy family, people who would buy me sandwiches when I needed, you know, when that, when that was the type of support that I needed, who still support my comedy to this day and go to my specials and stuff like that. Um, so to me, those are, those are my real ride or dies. And again, my, my, again, my friend Gabe and stuff, who's just I love Gabe. been, you know, he's been with me since I started comedy. So. Yeah. All right, that goes into Heaven or Hell, uh, which is a very, it's probably the most laid back song on the record. It's probably. a great track, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Probably the most soulful uh, and easily digestible song on the record. Peter, play the chorus. What do you believe in, heaven or hell? You don't believe in heaven because we're living in hell. What do you believe in, heaven or hell? You don't believe in heaven because we're living in hell. So what's your life? Now, this was originally released a year before on the soundtrack for the movie Fresh and was the first taste of a Raekwon solo record. Based on a chorus hook that Raekwon had with Cabadonna years before, Ray and Ghost trade lines for line about a day in the life of a street hustler who wants redemption and heaven while he still can enjoy it. This is really the choice that the album offers. To stay in the game and very possibly have a rich but short life or choose a higher purpose and hopefully live a long life free of stress. This is also the last song on the record. Although there is one more bonus track on the CD, so you hear through at the end of the CD, there's all these shout outs. That's like the credits of the album. It's just Raekwon's basically and Ghosts are basically just shouting those out. Uh, so like I said, this song is about redemption. How are you personally working on getting better? Thank you for asking. Um, I'm working on getting better by um, trying to live deeper within myself. I try to figure out more of my own cycles and the way that I, I respond in relationships. Um, not let my past define um, the way I respond to, to people now. I'm going to therapy. That's how I'm trying to get better. Um, my trainer and, and, and really focusing on my health and my diet. And, and trying to spend more time with my son. You know, I spend a lot of time on the road and I still have to. But my son's will be 16 next month and I'm more and more. There was that time period where I was like, oh, he might live with me forever. And now I have to also consider the fact that he may just want to go. He's very independent. He might be capable and want to go do stuff on his own, and I have to enjoy him for the time that I have him. And, and, and so I'm trying to spend more, more time with him and do things with him and, and 
do some things that I didn't really get to learn because my dad wasn't, by the time I was my son's age, my dad wasn't around, you know? So I'm trying to um, learn those things on the fly. I'm teaching myself how to tie a tie so that he can, so I can teach him. So as, as a person, so you said you didn't have your dad around a lot. So like, is what are you doing to make sure that you can be the better father to your son that your dad missed with you? I mean, first, I'm just there, you know? So that's a big part of it. Yeah. And I just try to be active with my son. And, and um, I just remember things like when my dad was around that I didn't enjoy where, you know, still were like more preaching to me. And, and so I try to listen more to my son and try to um, um, be be there for him instead of like, constantly trying to drill things in. sure sure no I, I definitely get that <clears throat> and then the song that that did appear but only on the cd which we have here because of spotify uh track number 18 north star jewels it features papa woo it's a haunting song uh i like it it uses a sample as yeah, papa a, woo the rare the rare appearance from papa rare woo. rare appearance by papa woo and this is also uh, this CD is this this CD only track on the record, and the only one to feature Old Dirty Bastard, who sings the hook rather than raps. So this song, because of this song, it completes all of the nine Wu Tang Clan members on this album. Raekwon starts off talking to Papa Wu, the street expert on the Wu Tang philosophy, as well as the teachings of the Five Percenters, and a frequent guest on Wu Tang Productions. It gets real spiritual and deep and almost sounds like one of the movie's heroes found either redemption on Earth or peace on a higher plane of existence. Peter, play minute 30 and let that play until Ray's verse. Remember one thing, Ray, like I used to tell you? The child you was was making you the man you is today. And if you don't know where you came from, baby, you dance, you'll know you don't know where you're from. You see what I'm saying? Know which way you travel. You understand? And follow that destiny and follow the light. Do you consider yourself religious or spiritual? Definitely spiritual, not very religious. I grew up in a religious household. I went to Catholic school for most of my um, upbringing, but um, I didn't really enjoy a lot of the um, homophobia that I felt was a part of it or or misogyny um, about like that certain women could only go so high up in the um, governing body of the church. and So I've been more about just being a positive influence and being a um, spiritual person and, and following my own personal creed and rules. And um, So in that way, you know, I think we're all on our own spiritual journey and, and we try to just become our best selves and become the best positive influence that we can to those around us. I think that's my goal. Yeah. Like you said very simply before, that some people are positive and, you know, I just think it, that is simple. It's just positive, negative, and neutral. And there, there will still be negative people and there'll be new people who aren't activated yet to who they truly are. But I, I, I want to be a positive. Do you want to do some facts? Sure. Let's do some facts. Facts, 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 facts. All up in your guts. French vanilla facts. Be can, but chocolate facts. Okay. Chocolate facts sounds good. It does sound good. Uh, All right. Good Chex Mix. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm getting hungry. Uh, The original title was Only for Cuban Links N-Words. A Cuban link is a gold cabin chain used for necklaces and bracelets. Its thickness and weight made it much stronger and durable and therefore harder to yank off. 
This record was for the types of people that would rock those chains. Now, here's something that I wish I could have asked earlier. Uh, you feel comfortable using the N-word in your set, and I completely understand that. You have ownership of it, and I will never understand the heaviness of that or have that right. With the popularity of hip-hop and the crossover appeal, I've noticed that white Jewish guys like me who really do love these songs and respect all the races almost feel like we get a pass using the N-word in the context of rapping along. Mm -hmm. It's not like there are a bunch of songs that have Jewish guys calling each other kikes or hebes or anything like that. What is your gut feeling on how non-blacks should treat the usage of that word? I mean, I'm never really around to um, pass judgment or monitor anyone. It's more about like the content of, of of your heart and why you're doing it. And if someone's rapping along to a song and they says it, it's not like I'm gonna be like, oh my god, you're the you can't do that. You know, I, I've known a lot of people from who have said it from different races, and I know certain people who you would punch in the mouth if they said it. Um, me and my personally, my reason with my act, I, I got a lot of my viewpoint from it from a tribe called Quest and the song Sucker Niggas in general, yeah. where, you know, I just like, it's a tool that I can use and it's fun to use sometimes, and I can say it because I, it's fun to take that power back and have that power and turn it into something beautiful. Um, and to me, that's one of the great, so sometimes that's the thing I celebrate. It's so funny to me that you take this word that it was used to demean and put down an entire race of people. And then that race of people takes it and turns it into something so beautiful that you guys go, oh, I want to say it too. Cuban Links was popularly known as the Purple Tape due to it being released as a completely purple plastic cassette and CD case. Did you own it like that? I did not, but I'm aware of the Purple Tape. It's still referred to that by many and the original fans. The reason Raekwon chose this was to differentiate his product, just like drug dealers would personalize their product. That's very cool. Uh, what are ways that you consciously try to differentiate yourself from others? Oh, by embracing what I love and, and making that a part of my act. Like if you see my special that has the Ric Flair intro and the wrestling robe and, and, and the big wrestling entrance is because I want to embrace that part of me and that sets me apart. No, but no other comedian has Ric Flair in their intro. Yeah. Nobody else comes out in a big sparkly glittery robe. So, you know, these are things I try to do. Being nice, optimistic for some reason, that sets me apart. Yeah. Uh, but that's what the way I just like to write. That's not that's not really a conscious effort, but that's just what I like doing. But I would say I really have learned to just re um, embrace all parts of me and make the and make that a part of my act. So um, things that I used to be embarrassed about, like having someone with a disability or loving wrestling or playing all the video games. There are now things that I like to embrace because other, the people who relate to that really get it. And the people who, and that's one thing I knew about wrestling fans and people who, who play a lot of video games because I am one of these people is that they, they spend money and they support. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, where are we? I only got a couple more. Uh, this is a good one. They got tested by other artists. Maze got into it with someone in Ghostface's entourage back in the day and walked away with a broken jaw. That's where Kanye's If You Could Feel How My Face Felt, You Know How Mace Felt line and Through the Wire came from. Also in 2009, Raekwon's entourage crashed Joe Budden's dressing room and left him with a black eye. All right, two, this is a two-part question. You are probably one of the nicest guys in the world, uh, but I've... But I just want to know, are you a scrapper? I mean, I will fight. I got into a fight at a pot store 
the guy was being racist to the the guy who working there. Um, so I mean, you know, it's like two sides of any coin. I, I'm very chill, and then if you push me past a certain point, it's hard to get me back. So um, you I, you do have a breaking point. Yeah, for sure. How like like what what generally sets that off? Oh, uh, you know, people being racist, I guess, or if someone was mean to my son, or anything of that nature. You know, there's things where then you know, like oh. Oh, I'm not. I still need to go therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to be well balanced because I, there's some points where I'm like, oh, I will throw this all away and just go to jail be, to prove a point. Of course. So all I, right. don't, I don't want that. No, not at all. Uh, well, if you had to take a punch from a member of Wu Tang, who yeah. would it be? Um, Papa Wu, because he's the oldest. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's true. All right. I was like, <laughs> you, you, you explained it perfectly. All right, this this we got just two more after this. Uh, Ghost went on to release his debut record, Iron Man, on October 1996, with heavy appearances by Raekwon, as I brought up. Ghostface has announced the launch of his own cryptocurrency financial venture, Cream Capital. The digital currency itself, of course, is called Cream. Uh, what is your relationship with money like now that you're you've been been able to be successful? Um, I like it. I want to keep it. Of course. I'm mad at the government <laughs> for taking it from me. Um, but mostly I'm learning that it's up there and that I um, that as long as I keep working and keep doing things, that it'll keep coming to me and that I have more of a mindset that abundance is around me. And no, it I is. I have to be. Um, so, like. I got to get it and it's going to go away. I'm like, no, you know, things will slow down. Things will speed up. That's just life. Um, but as long as I keep on my grind and, and keep doing what I do, um, things you'll will be out. fine. All right. Last question. All right. Another example of Cuban links influence is in the spike in popularity of Cristal, an expensive champagne, which was mentioned on the album and touted by Ray and Ghost. It has now become a staple in hip hop with name drops that continue to this day. All right. If you could name drop anything and give it popularity, what would it be? Uh, my comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Me, my comedy, uh, smart sweet gummies. Uh, they are delicious and uh, not bad for you. So, like, shout out smart sweets. Get them, get them sour blast buddies in your life. Yeah, dude. <laughs> if you do, endorse this man. Seriously, send him a fucking box of this. Oh, they be sending me boxes. They should be sending me money. Yeah, <laughs> I love that, dude. Rod, this has been fantastic, buddy. I appreciate you coming in here. It's been a pleasure. It's like talking with you. Thank you, buddy. Ron Funches, everybody. For all things Ron Funches, go to ronfunches.com. If you want to find him on Twitter, it's Ron Funches. And if you want to find him on the gram, it's actually shorter. It's Ron Funch. I love that. I love saying his last name. Funches. Funch. Funches. His special, Giggle Fit. It's hysterical. And you guys can get it on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or anywhere you buy media. Also, check out his podcast, Getting Better. It is fantastic. Uh, my friend Blair was on it. Uh, I know a bunch of people that have done it. 
Ron is great. His podcast is great. Get on it. I'll also be posting his mixtape for all of y'all, and that is going to be posted on the website. Now, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to submit your music, if you've got questions or whatever the fuck it is, email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. And also, guys, March 20th, tonight... The goddamn Comedy Jam is at the Roxy with Mark Marin, Karen Kilgariff, Tony Hinchcliffe, the Lucas Brothers, and some special guests. And tomorrow night, I'm doing a shimmy shimmy ya at 8 and 10.30 at the Comedy Store. All tickets are at my website, joshadamyers.com. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform, whatever's way you're listening. Rate, review, do all that shit, guys. Also, shout out to one of my writers, Twitter. You can find them, DJ Morty Coyle. And check out him and his daughter singing many, 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 many songs from the 500 on their Instagram, at B and Daddy Cartoons. Also, listen to his podcast, Yid Nation. Don't forget to sign up, guys, for our Patreon. You can find it at the500podcast.com backslash club. Get the podcast a day early. Get the full uncut episode. Get some free merch. And get the new podcast that I keep saying we're going to make. But, you know, we're making it. And uh, we're going to give it just for the Patreon people. So if you want it, it's yours. Come and take it. Now... We just listened to Raekwon from 1995. Now, here is an artist that is directly influenced by this artist and this album. From New York City, we have Armin Hammer and his song No Days Off. If you're in a band and we're directly influenced by one of these albums or artists that we are playing and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Funkadelic Week with their 1971 masterpiece, Maggot Brain. So y'all got some homework to do. Stay fleecy, y'all. She only want to know what time breakfast is. Then snacks, trust, you don't want none of that. She won't listen to a word you say. Onion powder, only thing on these spice rack. But cats act like Quentin on his way. Gladys Knight's good old days. Talk about They said you're still selling that same kilo of cocaine. Way I see it, we all sell pain. She a hoe, she a pro, she got all types of different names. Dance like I'm in leg and waist chains. Stepped on the rage, lust, fear, hate, whipped the mix to the base, levitate. On the sixth day, my father looked and should have been dismayed. Maybe go ahead and come in on Sunday, I'm just saying. No disrespect, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No days off. You don't work, you don't need You don't work, you don't need You don't work, you don't need Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. 
This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Next Chapter Podcasts.